All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to just bump you right now. What a steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation podcast presented 
by the great folks over there at Zephyr Epic. Quite the little Pokemon giveaway going on right now at Zephyr Epic Quads. I don't know if you picked this one up, but quite the little Pokemon giveaway, not only online, but in store as well. So check out their Instagram for that. And if you're going to ZephyrEpic.com, be sure to use our promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. You can get uh, $5 off your order. Sorry, a little distraction there. $5 off your order uh, and free shipping on every order over $50. We're also delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Use our promo code COMBODD for your first time to get 25% off and free deliver. That's COMBODD. I'll get you right in there. I don't think we're going to argue this much on this episode, but we will see what happens. I think we're, calmer heads have prevailed here. You know, but Cooler I, heads. Whatever. doesn't <laughs> matter. But I just want to say I got a short fuse today, and you're already... That, even that little comment there is already... Editing your work already. Good. Well, that's good. I got a short fuse. I'm telling you right now this episode. Uh, we'll see what you ends know, up happening here. Well, I- intro us first. Go ahead. All right. My name's Chris Faber. I'm the man who built the place. Quads, you've just been <laughs> along for the ride for the last 140 <laughs> episodes. We are the Canucks Conversation Podcast. We got a lot to talk about. Preseason is just starting to wrap up. We don't have to talk about contracts anymore, but there's a lot of stuff on the ice to get into. And speaking of that, Quads, you were at the rink today. And yeah. uh, and for people that don't know, and I'll be 100% honest, you were, you, you've you talked about it over the past few weeks about these game day articles you're going to be writing. I didn't tune into any of them wow. at all. Today's and, was really good. Well, that's the thing. I tuned into today's, and uh, I think I might actually read a few of these things. <laughs> so you're writing the game day report from the rink. You're going to be down there as many practices as possible, and I think as much as you can, you're going to try and be close to 100%. Probably going to miss a few here and there. Not home ones. But... You're at all the skates now. What did you take away from uh, today's practice? Anything fun today? Uh, Batch is a Red Sox fan. So I showed up wearing my New York Yankees toque. We immediately decided we weren't going to be talking uh, today. You know, Kevin Woodley, your best friend, he wore a Seattle Mariners jersey to the Jim Benning availability. He really? <laughs> Bold move, pulling that out. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like the Sunday attire a little bit. Yeah. It was a big day, but uh, you look at everyone and dress pretty well normally at the yeah. media. And then Woodley's out there, long hair, looking like Quads' dad. Then he's wearing a <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, Red Sox, or I mean Mariners jersey. So that was, oh, man. that was quite a sight. Also, regarding the last episode, my favorite thing that someone replied to that that episode with was, man, this felt like 59 minutes of like a long car ride where your parents are fighting in the front seat. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah. It was That's good. A, yeah. It was a good episode. It absolutely was a good episode. And uh, I guess we'll just start right away. No, before we start, I got to ask an Italian question. I hope you're good for this one. Okay. So I made pizza last night from scratch. From scratch, I stuffed crust pizza from scratch with Gouda in the crust. It was excellent. Just an amazing okay. pizza from top to bottom. Just so you know, Italians don't do that, but continue. Listen, let me have this one. Um, stuffed crust is good. Italians, they're wrong if they don't agree okay. with stuffed crust okay. on that. And I'll, I'm damn right saying that. But I was I was mixing it up, you know, making the sauce and everything. And I was putting Italian, like Italian spice into it. Okay. And, and the, you know me, I watch a ton of these diners, drive-ins, and dives videos. You know, yeah. I'm, that's my favorite thing on YouTube. Like, whenever I'm eating by myself, I just put on Guy Fieri, and I watch uh, watch him go to restaurants and eat good food. And at all the Italian restaurants, none of them use, like, Italian spice, like the Italian spice. They all have their own, like, mix of spices. So what do Italians think about, like, buying pre-mixed Italian spice? Okay, so they don't do that or sauce. You can't buy, like, pre-made sauce. Right. If you're Italian, I, I mean, 
I'm Italian, but I also live on my own. So yes, I do buy some pre-made sauce, but you don't buy ragu. Just don't buy ragu. No, not ragu, That's, but like I, like, I mean the like actual spice. Mikey Pietro says in the goalie intro, Nonna shoe would be flying across <laughs> the continent and hitting you in the side of the head. Goalie intro is a hit. It's sticking. People, it's people absolutely love sticking. The it is on the board now. Yeah. And I've got a story. Uh, I could get into that now. If no, you want, not, you not just skin. quite yet. Still, I need the answer you on still, the spices, though. Oh, the Italian spice. Like, you don't use Italian spice. You're, you'll use your own mix of at oregano and whatever it's all mixed at in. At my parents' house, no. There's no pre-made spice. At my house, uh, Cody Sievertson bought me a housewarming gift basket mm-hmm. and it had spaghetti red wine um the italiano uh clubhouse spice mix yeah still haven't cracked into it yet but i do have it so basically yes cody uh i think there was gabagool in there too he just mm-hmm. gave me a gift basket of a bunch of italian stereotypes and that was my housewarming gift well i'm sure you know, it's, i'm surprised you haven't cracked in the italian spice i guess but you're not a great cook yet from what we've learned on the well, show I'm a and on the cook. i just haven't had to use that stuff yet. yeah well you're good with the form and you're good with the air fryer I'm getting sauce from my mom today. Nice. Which is very nice. That's good. What about the cheese ball? We haven't heard much about the, the cheese no, ball the, that we I had when we moved. the last time she made cheese ball was when you helped me move. And she was like, yeah, your friends are helping you move. I'll get you, get you guys some nice cheese well, I mean, ball. You might want to get in her ear again. Another cheese ball. I, yeah. I'd gladly take another cheese ball. I'll bring her the Tupperware, whatever she needs to put <laughs> it in. Just fill it up to the yeah. brim with that stuff. That oh, stuff was amazing. I know. It's so good. It's All right. actually amazing. You got, got a goalie story. story. I got my st- hit, hit the Cue intro, that music. Then. Cue that music. Oh yeah, he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no no. I don't know. You know, I, I can't really give the time and date, or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America, ready to hit me in the head. I think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right, Favors going to be Favors going to be very pissed. So, you know, I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. All right, I wanted to come out of the before you tell your story here. I almost want to clip the one from last week because you laughing in the background after you heard it the first time. I think that might be a better version of the goalie. I, I was okay, so I was listening to this and I think the same thing. Like I absolutely think we should do that because okay. me just losing it in the background is very funny. All right, get to your goalie story. We let yeah, you know, so, I'm happy to get this segment out of the way right off the bat. Either Travis Green or the Canucks social content team uh, are listeners of the show and also hate goalie talk because at morning skate today, I asked Travis, I just said, Travis, I know it's early, um, but like, what have you thought about Mikey DiPietro through the first uh, couple weeks of camp? And Green gave me a really thorough answer. Like I have it and now I guess it's exclusive, so I'm going to put it in an article for sure. But he gave me a really thorough answer. He took like a minute and a half to answer talking about Mikey DiPietro. So I don't think it was Travis. I, I don't think Travis hates goalie talk. I think Travis is okay with it. But uh, yeah, I, so I, I go look at the video on Twitter and there's like a jump cut from my question (laughs) is just completely taken out of the uh, video of the availability, which was so funny to me because I was listening for it and I'm like watching the video and I'm like, wait, I swear I asked like the third question in availability today. And then it just jumps to the one that was right after me. And I was like, wow, I I think it was because they wanted to keep that video under 10 minutes and Travis took a while to answer my question. But Mm. uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the social team just absolutely hates goalie talk and they listen to the show. Props to the social team. I'm a, I'm a big fan now. <laughs> oh, they haven't man. done a great job over the years, but they got some new bodies in there. You know, I'm yeah, happy. Jessica taking over on socials. Yeah, and you see her around a lot. Yeah, I don't know she's if great. I think you have as well. She's around a lot. Yep. Um, but good for them cutting out the goalie talk. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> yeah, that, I'm a little, I'm a little upset. No, I'm just kidding. So that's, that's the end of goalie talk for this episode, then, because that's the rule. Once the intro plays, we're not playing it again. No, the the end of goalie talk. Another thing from Morning Skate: Yarhulak wasn't on the ice. I was thinking of asking Travis about it, but I also didn't want to because this could just be an effort for Mikey DiPietro to maybe get one last look before he reports to Abbotsford. So I didn't want to ask if Halak was like what the absence was related to. Um, so we'll we'll see tonight. If DiPietro gets some time, he will be backing up Thatcher Demko, we assume, because DiPietro got in uh, at the end of the Halak start. But like, if I'm Yaro Halak, I'm wanting more starts, right? Yeah. Like in the preseason, guys well, only had one start. Two periods, right? Like not two even periods, a full game. Yeah. The thing and, for me with that is like, I, I can want, I can really see a world where DiPietro does, and you know, by the time some people listen to this episode, the game will be already over. But I'm guessing Demko is going to play a lot in the final two games. Yeah, at least one for sure the whole game. He'll definitely have one of the last yeah. two against Edmonton because you're going to see a real close to opening night lineup for those two. Last game of preseason, Demko's getting. So I could see it being a half and half tonight with DiPietro, which is, it's strange that DiPietro's had so much more time than Halak. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm the only one that thinks DiPietro is better than Halak. I'll just say that. I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. Well, he's, you know, DiPietro, like, you know, I was on uh, I was on the Speakeasy podcast yesterday, and they're like, "Hey, we got a goalie question for you." And I was already pissed off about that right off the top. But then they're like, "It's about Mikey." I said, "Fine, we can do a goalie yeah. question about Mikey." Because honestly, like, I know we talked about it quite a bit, but he has looked so much better. He's yeah, he looks really good. just like things that I can even pick up on about how he's tracking pucks and and just moving from side to side. Like he, there's something about his stance that makes him look so much bigger in the yes. net. Yeah, he's. And, Sorry to cut you off, but he's absolutely fantastic at just his post integration is ridiculous. And I told you, hold on, can you talk about post integration all the time? Can you explain that a little bit? Because people don't like, I don't know what post integration is. So when you're, when you're getting to the post and you want to seal the post off really tight, right? He's really good at doing that in the blink of an eye. He doesn't have to look down. He doesn't have to, um, you know, change his positioning. Like, it's just all fluid. It's all one motion, and it's all extremely quick. One drill that Mikey was doing today, and usually this is a drill that Ian Clark and Curtis Sanford do with the goaltenders, but uh, Ian was down with Thatcher Demko. Curtis wasn't on the ice. DiPietro was by himself doing this drill. Basically what the drill is, goalie coach will flip the puck over the net and the goalie has to track which side it's on, look over his shoulder, and he's out at the top of the crease when the puck is flipped over his head, and he's got to see that puck into the corner, and he has to integrate to the post while keeping his eye on the puck in the corner. DiPietro was doing this by himself with nobody flipping a puck to him. He was just practicing this, and that's where you really start to see his post integration and how good it is, and just... You know, with a guy like Thatcher Demko and Jacob Markstrom, these are two goaltenders who have incredibly long legs, are tall individuals. They're able to seal off the post when the puck's behind the net, one leg on each post at the same time, and they can look over their shoulder. DiPietro, being a bit of a shorter guy, kind of has to stretch a little bit further to pull that off. And he's not quite able to do it the same as Demko, but he's so quick and he's so fluid at sealing off that post that he almost makes up for it because of just how quick and how good he is at post integration. And like I said, on the last like three shows, he was being used to show Yaro okay, Halak. Here we go again. <laughs> well, Ian was just, he yelled like, watch this and pointed to DiPietro. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard the story. He, we've heard the story. Whatever. The thing it's about, important. The other thing about post integration that I wanted to ask about was the, like, is that also part of when he is, 
you know, when the puck goes from point man to point man, that's when I really saw that, like, wow, he's, you know, he's moving so well yeah, in that he's spot. Got shuffles right. How much is that into post integration? Or is post integration just when the guy post integration fully covering? So if he's fully covering the, the posts and like covering the tight shot and blocking that kind of, that kind of high shoulder that's area. That's part of post, post integration. But the other part that I wanted to ask about was like him from moving from side to side. Is that also what you're kind of talking about? Yes. Absolutely, but not when the puck's at the point, right? That's not post-integration. He's out at the crease at that point, right? right? So it's not post-integration. But say that puck gets rung around the boards, that's post-integration because he's got to get down to the post, right, in a hurry. And he's really good at that. And again, when he was in junior, when he was in Utica, this is something we always saw with him was just absolutely amazing positional awareness in the crease. Never has to look back. Never really loses his positioning, um, which I think is a really good baseline for Ian Clark to work with. And I think that's partly why we're seeing Di Pietro look like such an improved goaltender now. Final question about goalies here before we move on. Still going, eh? Okay. One last one. And I'm not even going to have a follow-up on this one. How do you think Halak feels about this? I mean, there's a lot of hype around Di Pietro from the media. There's a lot of hype, I think, from Ian Clark, the fact that he worked with him so much. You know, he's, you know, Halak's coming in here with a new goaltender coach who, you know, very much fancies his Mikey Di Pietro. He likes his little student there. What do you think the vibe is like from Halak right now? I don't think Halak cares because his contract allows him not to be sent down. Halak's not, he's not in jeopardy at all. Like, I, I don't think, I, I think if you ask Halak if he's better than Di Pietro, he'd probably say, yeah, right? Like, he, he probably thinks that, which is, which is fine. He's allowed to There's still a good opinion. chance he really is. Yeah, there too. is a good chance. He's not, but there's a good chance. I, I, I really don't think so. But, you know, one thing that Travis said in the lost answer, the lost episode uh, this morning when he was talking to me was Di Pietro needs to play a lot of games. Like he said, you know, it's going to be really good for Mikey to play a lot of games after the year that he had last year. He went through a lot. Uh, and, and Travis did say, he's just like, that's going to be what's really good for Mikey is playing a ton of games. And they're right. They're absolutely right. So I don't think Halak is really batting an eye at this. I don't think he listens to the show. Um, I, I don't think he really cares. Maybe he does. We'll see when you get to ask him a question. We'll see what his response sure. is like. He snaps at me. Yeah, we'll He's see. Like, hey, I heard you. I heard you said that Di Pietro is better than me. Yeah, what's it about this twenty-one-year-old? You think <laughs> is so much better than me? He's played two NHL this games. This is a disrespect to Lack. Like Halak's one of the best goal, t- or he was the one of the best goaltenders in the league at just reading plays. Like he's like five nine, five ten. So for him to stay in the league as long as he has, like. He's a he's like a legend, right? Like it's not. I'm not trying to disrespect Yar Halaki. Yeah. I just I just think very highly of Mikey DiPietro. All right, as the intro says, we're gonna spend 30 minutes talking about a backup goaltender. <laughs> we're not gonna go any further on this. I want to get into something with you here, Quads. It's, that is a big discussion point, I think, in the fan base right now. First of all, my question to you: Are the Canucks a good team? Uh yeah, I think so. So you know what podcasts about good teams tend to talk about. It's not the top six. It's not the third line. It's backup the fourth line. No, it's not the freaking backup goaltender. It's the fourth line. And there's sure. a lot of questions around the fourth line right now. We're going to put out our poll question, which we forgot to do. <laughs> That'll come up here in a second. But I want to know right now what you kind of expect to see on is it October 13th or October 12th. Oh, man. Opening night, fourth line. What do you got? Let's hear your three names. I'll give you mine right after. Oh, man. Oh, that's actually tough because... We okay. So Tyler Mott skated today. I was uh, I was the first to report it because I was going up to the press box. Wow, you want I a medal? Saw, saw him on the ice. Uh, 
Tyler Mott was on the ice with Yogi S. I am not going to try and say his last name. Uh, he was on the ice with the Abbotsford skills coach. Pretty high intensity. Like, he wasn't wearing a non-contact jersey. I don't know if that was because he was the only person on the ice. But regardless, Tyler Mott was participating in a pretty high intensity workout today. Shooting pucks, you know, doing a lot of stick handling drills, uh, moving around the ice quite a bit. And I don't know if he's close because we, we haven't been given an update. Like, I think the next update we get is going to be him at practice in full practice in a non-contact jersey. I think that's going to be the next time we have an update. We don't have anything on that. So it's hard for me to predict my fourth line now on October 5th for October 13th because we don't know how close Tyler Mott is. But if I'm giving it with Mott, obviously he's there. Without Mott... Let's go without Mott because I've okay. I got my idea without Mott here. You, so, you start. I want to hear you. Okay, so I'll start with my three guys. I think Justin Dowling's going to center that line. I think opening night, he's going to center that line. I think they're going to want to have Dickinson playing in the top nine. Like I've talked yeah. about him being the fourth line center and having a real strong, you know, a strong spine down the middle with the with the four centers that are definitely NHL players. But because Dowling can penalty kill, I think he's going to get into the lineup and he's going to be the fourth line center. Then it gets really interesting on the wings. I'm going to go with Di Giuseppe as my left winger. I think Di Giuseppe does make the team, and he ends up playing on the on the left wing to start the season. And then my last guy on the right side, I'm going to go with Alex Chase on. I think that I think he can play in the fourth line spot. I think he might get time on the second power play unit, but it's also going to depend on how Green wants to use his penalty killers. Like if Di Giuseppe's going to kill penalties, he's absolutely there. But if you need a penalty killer, then Matthew Highmore can easily be that right wing spot. So to me, it's going to be, I think DJ Giuseppe's there. I think Dowling's there. And then I think it's between chase on and Highmore. And honestly, you know, if chase not there on opening night, does he still, has he still done enough to earn a contract and beat out a guy like McEwen to be the 13th forward? Like, I'm not sure. I'm that not really 100% game, sure. That last game didn't show anything. That nope. last game, he looked like he wasn't trying. But you know who hasn't shown enough to win a spot is Zach McEwen. Like, no, absolutely not. We've wanted to, we, you know, we're big supporters of McEwen. We like what he can bring to the lineup. He brings that physicality that doesn't let you, you know, take advantage of, of the young stars on the Canucks, just knowing that McEwen's in the lineup. So we want him to be a guy that's out there playing and protecting some of the players to a certain degree, but he just hasn't shown enough. He's been given yeah. an opportunity beside Horvat on a game on a preseason game. He's going to be playing out the lineup a little bit again tonight on Tuesday night. And he just, he needs to have a good little bit of a run here at the end. I expect McEwen to get in the lineup for two of these final three preseason games. And man, he's got to show something to get that spot over, over a guy like DJ Giuseppe or Highmore. But because Highmore has killed penalties, for Green, I think he gets just a little bit of an advantage here, right? Like, Di Giuseppe hasn't killed penalties for Travis Green at the NHL level yet. He's done a little bit of it in preseason. He did it last year a little bit in the New York Rangers organization before they got settled with their four guys that they wanted to stick on their penalty kill every night. But Di Giuseppe can kill penalties. So if he starts to kill penalties for Travis Green, he's got that spot on the fourth line for sure. But Highmore, he's already done it for Green. And he's, you know, he's a guy that I would, I'd be fine having that as a fourth line. I mean, Dowling's not great, but you're kind of just holding a spot for Brandon Sutter for now. So my final prediction for opening night, what I expect to see is D Giuseppe, Dowling, and Chason. I think Chason's going to end up getting that spot in the end. Where's Vasily Podkolzin in that lineup? He's on the third line. Is he? Yeah. I don't okay. think he's going to be on the fourth line. No, I don't think so. I also don't think Podkolzin's getting sent down. I no. still stand by that. Even though, you know, like, you know, 
call a spade a spade. He hasn't impressed yeah. it. Pod Colson's our, he's our next topic, talking point. We'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. I got to defend my boy a little bit here. But your fourth line, opening night, give it to us. Man, okay. So I think, yeah, probably Dowling is centering that line. But again, not to stray the conversation away, but is JT Miller playing center? Because look, him doing it this much in preseason with the knowledge that Pedersen is back, like, you know, we're going to get on OEL Pullman later, but with the knowledge that Quinn Hughes is coming back, we are now seeing OEL and Pullman get split up. We anticipate we're going to see Pullman playing with Hughes um, for the final two preseason games coming up here. That's, that's what we anticipate is going to happen. It's going to be OEL Myers tonight against Seattle. So with that in mind, do you now assume at the very least, it's a possibility that JT Miller is a center on opening night because if he is, Jason Dickinson's on my line, on my fourth line. So I'm going to give you that with Miller as a center because I'm starting to think that's a real possibility, even though I disagree with it. Um, Dickinson is my fourth line center. Giuseppe's on the wing, and then yeah, I think it's Matthew Highmore. As you don't well. think Dowling gets a spot on the wing there? If, no, if I don't think there? so. I think Dowling's Dowling's like this team's thirteenth or fourteenth. All right, so you went Giuseppe Dickinson. Highmore, Highmore, and maybe Chase on. I mean, that's three guys that can kill penalties on your fourth line. That's ideally what Travis Green wants, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I see where you're coming from with that. I just wonder, like looking at the rest of the lineup, you know, uh, I know that Pod Colson isn't going to be killing penalties right off the bat, but it really would be a smart move. It would be a nice spot to put, you know, Pod Colson is not going to get power play time. I think we've kind of established that to start the year. He's not going to be getting power play time. One of the spots where he's best is on the penalty kill. And I know it's a lot to ask for him to do that at the NHL. And obviously, you know, explaining how they want to run their penalty kill in Vancouver is a lot different than what they did in the KHL. But I think that's a spot where you got to have him. I think that's a spot where he will actually just be able to to play a little bit more freely and and go out and kill penalties. It's something he's always done at every single level he's played at. Even, you know, those were consistent minutes in the KHL for him in a league where he didn't get consistent minutes at all times. So I would I would like to see him start to kill penalties sooner than later. And I think that opens up a spot for you to have a stronger player like Chase on on that line instead of having both D Giuseppe and Highmore. I think Chase on's a better NHL player than both those guys. Yeah, I agree. I, I yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. We got to talk about Pud Colson because yeah, let's get Travis it. had a lot to say about it today. Um, and here's the thing is, you know, people, people have rightly pointed out that Pud Colson's offensive ability hasn't, you know, blown the roof off the place every time he's played, right? Like he hasn't done anything spectacular, was demoted to a fourth line role. And I hate to use the word demoted because it's preseason. The guy is 20 years old. Like, look, nobody is trying to knock Vasily Pod Colson, but it is going to be pointed out that he hasn't, you know, done anything spectacular like maybe we thought he would uh, coming into it. But this isn't like something that's caught Travis Green by surprise. It's not something that Travis Green is looking at and saying, oh man, like what the hell? This this sucks. Like this guy's not ready. Like how they look at it is every young player is different. Every young player needs to be put in a position to succeed. And Travis loves a lot of things about Pod Colson's game. And how can you not? Like the attention to detail, the defensive side of the game, it's all there. And you can see it's all there during preseason games. It's just, you know, the offensive side isn't quite there. So now 
the question has to become, how do we develop this player to be the best he can be long-term? And again, this is all Travis was talking about uh, this morning. And he said the same thing with Jack Rathbone, who you and I are both very high on. Um, he said the same thing. Like he's like, he's like, we can't have too high of expectations for these players. We need to like, they need to earn it. They need to show that they can play in the NHL. And he's absolutely right. So with pod Colton, the way I kind of look at it is the, the best thing for him might be to start the season in the AHL, which is absolutely fine. But there are some bonuses with that contract. If he gets called up and I believe he turns into $1.7 million player if he gets called up on the cap. And right now that to me is the reason you don't send him down, even though it might be best for him to be playing like top six minutes in the AHL. I think that the Canucks can develop this player, even if he is. And, and Drance asked green about it today, kind of like the Adam Gaudet model where he makes the team doesn't play a super significant role right away. And is kind of, you know, brought up under that, uh, that uh, method. I think moving him down to the AHL is a horrible decision. Yeah. I think that's a horrible decision sending Pod Colson down. Not only not even talking about the cap ramifications. Just he came over here to play in the NHL. He is a better forward right now if I'm making a lineup than Highmore, DiGiuseppe, Dowling, Chason, McEwen. I would rather have Vasily Pod Colson in a lineup over all those guys. And it's Yes, he hasn't looked great in the preseason, but you mentioned it. He's doing a lot of things that the coach likes. He's very defensively responsible. Yeah, That's exactly. the part that he's going to come in and do right off the bat for sure. That was what we all knew he was going to come in and do. To me, it's just like we're seeing the Vasily Pod Colson right now that is just not really. It's almost like I don't want to say that he's not giving 100%, but we're not seeing 100% of what Pod Colson can do. Yes, exactly. Like from what we saw, the way that he played the game in the playoffs last year of the KHL, we're not even seeing a level that's even close to that from Vasily Pod Colson. And I think a lot of that's coming from just not being 100% comfortable in the NHL yet. I think the league hasn't shocked him. Like it's not like it's like breaking him down and, and making him play much worse than we expected. I just think that there's not been enough kind of intensity yet for Pod Colson to kind of realize that he needs to be really intense to play in the NHL. And if he does get to that level and he starts to play with the intensity that we all expect when the games start to matter, that's when we're going to see Pod Colson really play. And I don't know if that comes even at the regular season, like the first few games of the regular season. I wonder how intense Pod Colson is, because if you're getting 100% intensity from Vasily Pod Colson, you're getting an absolutely dominant player. And I think at even at 20 years old, he's still going to be a guy that's going to impress a lot of people at the NHL when he starts to play up to his potential. I just wonder about going through a training camp where, you know, you're not hitting everyone as hard as you can in the drills and then going into preseason. I wonder if that's kind of how he's looking at it as well. Mm -hmm. If it's more about just kind of making plays and being in the right spot. And I don't know if it's going to crank up to full speed for the regular season, but you need to get that out of pod Coles. You need the intensity to get the best out of him. I hope that things change when he gets to the regular season. and These games really, really matter. But you would like to see him, I guess, like not care more, but just have the intensity that we expect from him in preseason. I think that's the thing that's been missing. And I wonder how much it is just getting comfortable in the NHL. And I don't think it's shocking him. Like he's a pro, you know, he's a star in the KHL, even though he's playing a limited amount of minutes, he was still a star in the KHL. People knew about him because he was the teenager playing on ska. He's, he's been in the spotlight. The spotlight's not the thing that's hurting him. I'm just, I don't think that he's, going a hundred percent in preseason yet. Like I need to see, you know, when Pod Colson gets to that playoff level, 
God, he's going to be a good player. And I hope that he can just learn to, that he has to do that on a nightly basis, whether it's preseason, regular season, or the playoffs. Once he starts doing that, I think it's going to be a very different story for Pod Colson. But I do agree. He hasn't impressed offensively. I mean, the best play that he's kind of made offensively was that pass to Zach McEwen, I think. Right? Like, his passing's been good. I think he's done an excellent job of breaking out of the zone. Like, the things that he did in the KHL were so impressive were the nights where I'm, like, sending out his Corsi percentage over 80%, right? And those little things where you can just get the puck out of your own zone, you support defensively. Those are going to be massive things in the game. Like we're going to see Pod Colson have a really good Corsi and possession numbers. He just, he isn't quite in that spot where he's comfortable to try things yet. And I think that not only try things offensively, but try things physically, like get involved, give us a hundred percent. Like that's what we, we, like we're waiting for with Pod Colson. It's going to come. It's absolutely going to come. I hope it starts when the regular season starts though, because you can't wait for the playoffs to give that. If he can do that in the regular season, he's really going to start to impress people. But yeah, he hasn't, I don't think his intensity is at a hundred percent right now in the preseason. My bold prediction is even if he does have a bit of a slow start to the season by the halfway point of the season, Vasily Pod Colson is going to be a very, very valuable top six player for the Canucks. Like he's going to be in their top six. He's going to be putting up points. That's my prediction by the halfway you know what, point. You know what I need to see? Like something needs to, something needs to put him into the next gear. He needs, like, I hate to say, he needs to get laid out. He needs to get crushed by a big defenseman. He needs someone on his line to get hit hard and then him to do something about it. Like, there needs to be something that sparks him, right? Because I think right now, with everything that's going on with training camp preseason, nothing sparked him up yet. Like, nothing is making Pod Coles and go 100% intensity. He needs something to kind of spark him off here a little bit. And I don't think he's going to get that in preseason. And I wonder how long it takes in the regular season for him to really crank it up because. I think something's going to need to push him to that point. So I'm not worried about it. I don't like the idea of him going to the KHL or sorry, the AHL at all. I don't, I don't think he needs that. People are saying that it's good for his confidence. I mean, sure. But also being sent down to the A to like, it'll be good to gain some confidence and play top minutes in the A for sure. But it's a huge knock to your confidence just to get sent down to the AHL. And I know that this is a guy who would take it and it wouldn't you know, really affect him that bad. But deep down, you get sent down to the AHL. You're not happy about it. And it's not good for your confidence. So I'm not worried. I just am waiting for that moment when he starts to click and we start to see him at his full potential. It'll come. I'm not too worried about it at all. I know some people are saying the AHL just, you know, I'm not on that boat at all right now. I still think he's a better forward, even with him not playing up to his full potential. He's a better forward than a handful of guys that'll be in the lineup uh, on opening night. So no AHL for Pod Colson. I don't want to hear that anymore. The only just play devil's advocate a little bit is those guys you mentioned. Yeah, he's a better forward, but what's those guys long-term potential, right? Like with pod Colson, it's to be a point producer. And the question isn't so much who's the best guy right now. It's who's going to be the biggest difference maker at the halfway point of the season. I don't think his potential is a point producer though. Like his potential is a game changer, right? Like a game changer yeah. doesn't have to be points. Yeah. The but way- none of those guys are game changers. Those well, other guys, I guess like to a yeah, game changer probably isn't the right word. I just think the way that they affect the game and change the game, like from defense to offense, that's going to be like the best thing. Yeah, but Bud it's Colson completely does. different for Bud Colson. If Bud Colson, if Bud Colson's ceiling is Matthew Highmore or Zach McEwen or whatever name you mentioned, then they've done something horribly wrong with their scouting. Right, but his floor is already higher than those guys. Exactly. Right now. That's what exactly. I'm saying. So, like, so what I'm saying is if you're trying to develop this guy to be someone who can produce points and has that offensive touch, you know, put him in the AHL, let him get, let him get those reps in. And then I'm, I'm telling you, regardless of where he plays, I don't care if he, I, I think he's going to be on the Canucks. I think he deserves to make this roster. Um, if he's, if he's with the Canucks, 
even even if he was in the AHL, whatever, wherever he is, I'm saying by the halfway point of the season, Vasily Puckholzin is a very valuable top six player for this team. Yeah, I just the other thing I want to mention about the AHL is like with a prospect like Pod Colson, who's built up and built up and built up to the next level and built a ton when he went to the playoffs last year. You never want to take him down a level and going from the KHL to the preseason in the NHL down to the AHL. That's a step down. The AHL is a worse league than the KHL, which is a league that he had a lot of success in in the playoffs, obviously, and when he did get a lot of minutes to play and, he, and, and honestly success in the limited minutes as well. So I wouldn't want to take that step back for Pod Colson anytime soon. And that's another reason why I'd keep him out of the A. Uh, we'll wrap it up there on Pod Coles. I'm sure he's going to be a talking point for the next few weeks. But now we're going to throw to a new little ad sponsor here. Quads. New alcoholic beverage coming in here. Your favorite alcohol is now sponsoring the show. Squish, we love them, but the squ- the problem with Squish is no one can find the damn lemonade. Okay? No one can find the damn lemonade. This next, our newest sponsor here, which you'll hear in an ad in just a second, your favorite alcohol, and you can find it absolutely everywhere. So it's the best. It is. It's. I think our, our saying for the ad is it's the only alcohol that Quads likes. This is truly a dream come true. Here absolutely. It is. All right. Let's get to the ads. Winter is quickly approaching, but wait, that means your favorite seasonal brew is back to cheer you up. The Tukes of Hazard is now available across British Columbia and Alberta in their government and private liquor stores. This extra strong brew has a whopping 9.2% alcohol, big hop punch, even bigger body and aroma, and just a touch of white haze. The Parallel 49 fan favorite is smoother than a freshly cleaned ice rink. Muddlers. Muddlers Pink Lemonade. We are so excited to tell you guys about Muddlers Pink Lemonade. My drink of choice. You guys have all seen it by now. Faber and I went out drinking. That was my uh, drink of choice first night. I think that the catchphrase for this ad has to be, it's the only alcohol that Quads likes. Absolutely. It's so good. It's absolutely the best pink lemonade on the market by far. A lot of these other drinks are just a little too sweet for me. Like, I I don't really like that. And this is like a nice mix because I also don't like when it tastes too much like alcohol. But this is like the, the perfect balance. There's a reason that it was the drink I got when we went to the Parallel Street Kitchen as well. It, absolutely, man. It is the sweet spot for quads in the alcoholic beverage realm. You can find it, like you said, at Parallel 49 Street Kitchen and in a ton of liquor stores. All the BC liquor stores have it. It's the bright pink cans, Muddler's Pink Lemonade. Go out and try it today. All right. So that was the ad. The second one, we, we kind of hyped it up and then you had the little disco music, the little discotheque music. That wasn't bad. I mean, that's a new beer parallel. They got those uh, fancy beers coming in. I'm, I'm excited for those. Yeah. ones. Those are strong, too. You can tell you recorded that in your bedroom, which is very funny. That's my that's my home office quads. My bedroom is my home office. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> but the, hey, quick quick thought about muddlers. We we mentioned it kind of before. It's literally the your favorite alcoholic beverage, and we were yeah. stoked that uh, you know made the switch from squish to muddlers to talk about muddlers because it's it's super easy to find. We mentioned in the ad those bright pink cans. They pop. It is amazing. Pink like pink I boxes too. That's what I had. I grabbed six of them on my way onto the golf course when I played uh, when I played at uh, Whistler when I was up Whistler, in the Whistler yeah. golf course. I grabbed six right off the top, and the lady looked at me like I was crazy because I was like, "Well, I was like, <laughs> I was like, we'll be back after nine to grab six <laughs> more." So uh, it was yeah. I mean, those muddlers are delicious. I love them, and they got them on tap at Parallel Forty Nine at the Street Kitchen too. Even even better there. So good. All right. Now we can talk about OEL and him being paired up with Tyler Myers. And I'm very excited about it because we had a big argument about this the other day on the show. You got receipts. I got receipts for the show, but instead of just doing receipts, 
you know, after I win an argument, there is something that I like to do on this show. Oh, jeez. Bringing you down. I just turned it down. That oh, was so yeah. loud. Someone was in their car or had earbuds in and just had to get that blasted in their ear. I just wanted people to know once again <laughs> another argument that I have won here on the podcast. Uh-huh. We are going to see. We're going to see OEL and Myers tonight. Yeah, Tuesday I wonder how night. that's going to go. That's well, this see. is no, 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 no. Listen, this is this is where the issue arises. Is OEL and Myers is going to be an absolute tire fire by game ten. Oh no, I don't think it's going to be a good pairing. But I think it's still better to have Hughes with Pullman. It's still better in a top four to have Hughes with Pullman and, and not have him with Tyler Myers. Unfortunately, Tyler, Tyler Myers now, because of Hamannick, is going to have to play in a top four role. It's just a spot that we didn't want him to be in at all. We, yeah. you know, I think going into this year, everything we've talked about the offseason, Myers is slotted in as a third pairing guy. And we've had our problems with the third pairing with him and, and uh, uh, who am I missing? And Rathbone anyways, because two yeah. offensive players... Now we're going to see him play with OEL. One of, I mean, I hope that the only hope that there is on that pairing really is that like they're both veterans. Maybe they can read off of each other. Maybe Myers will recognize when OEL is going up. Like they're going to have to be the pairing that needs to build the most chemistry because they're both. They're not. That's the thing. Like we, you talked so much about Pullman and OEL having to build chemistry, right? And building it throughout the preseason. But because they're play styles, it's not like you need that much chemistry. With these two, these two need to build chemistry because they both think that they're the top offensive guy in the pairing. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be an interesting pairing to see. And like I, I don't wanna have preconceived notions of the pairing already, but yeah, like that that pairing isn't gonna be great at times. There's going to be times when that pairing looks lost. I think OELs look great. Like I'm just gonna I, I've said it all training camp. All preseason, I thought OELs looked fine. I thought he's like, I thought he's looked good. Um, I know I said great two seconds ago. All of the above, he's looked good. Um, Pullman again, same sort of thing. I'm interested to see how he does with Hughes because again, these guys have two games to kind of get uh, get any chemistry that they can built. They didn't skate together today. Uh, Hughes was with Justin Bailey on the uh, fourth defense pairing, which was pretty funny to see, but. Um, yeah, I guess that leaves Rathbone playing with Shen, or maybe it's Brad Hunt playing with Rathbone. Yeah, on so his I offside. looked this up with Brad Hunt playing the right side. His most consistent pairing over the last three years was with a left shot defenseman in Carson Soucy, mm. who I believe was the left one in the small amount of film I watched. He was starting on the left anyways. So Hunt can play the right side. Isn't Carson Soucy right-handed? No, he's left-handed. Okay. I, I looked this up last night. Okay. So unless, for unless, Seattle now. unless elite prospects, man, I tell you, JD Burke's got to figure out what he's going on over <laughs> there. Telling me, trying to tell me pod Coles in six foot four as I'm towering over Did him. Did you see the picture of Garland with uh, <laughs> yeah. McEwen and Miller? Yeah. The Basant motors when, curse. You know him putting that he's five ten. I felt that. I yeah, felt that. He ain't five ten. No, but neither am I. What? Yeah. In that though. I mean, <laughs> and you know, I, I think I, I had a, I don't know if I had a one-on-one or if I just like was standing next to McEwen at one point in training camp. If McEwen's 6'4", I'm 6'5". Like, <laughs> you know, I know McEwen's the big fella and he's this big guy. If he's 6'4", you know, I could I could get away with 6'6". Six, six. I tell everybody you're 6'4". I, I normally say 6'4", unless I'm seeing that person that day. Because huh. I'm not 6'4". <laughs> I hope you know, if someone's under like 6'2", six, 6'1", six, like... They, they don't know the difference. If you say you're 6'4", especially someone my height, like if, mm. if we went and told like all of the members of my family who I'm the tallest of, Jeez. If, we, uh, 
If we told all of them that you were like six foot six, six foot seven, nobody would bat an eye. Well, that that's a lot. Like no, you, I don't think six, so. Seven. Not when you're looking up. When you're looking up, it's hard huh. to tell. Okay, well, maybe at my height, when I see someone who's six foot seven, I know they're six foot seven. I know what six yeah, foot six looks of like. Of course, because because you can see the top of the head. We yeah. can't see the top of the head. That's true. With Tyler Myers, it's like. When I first saw him, like, yeah, he's he's a big ass dude. Yeah, Tyler he's Myers big. is large. I so I've I'm also the tallest in my family, but man, my little cousin Anthony, don't get me freaking. Well, I see him one year, and then I don't see him for like a couple years. He's at my mom's wedding, and like this is like five six years ago. The little dude's freaking shot right up. He's about six two six three. He's giving me. You know, giving me a run for my money as the tallest in the family. I wasn't wow. happy about that. And I haven't, you know, he was about 18 at the time. So he's probably stopped growing. I hope he stopped growing. I hope so. But my brother was a really late uh, bloomer as well. He shot up to like 6'2 really late. So I haven't really seen late. it. How old was he? He's about 18 and he grew a good amount again. Wow. Like he grew a good amount. I, I grew all of my height. I grew when I was like 11. So I was like <laughs> massive when I was like 11, 12. Oh, man. Um, and then, yeah. So I haven't seen Anthony in like four years since then. If he grew any more, he's the tallest in the family. And when I saw him, his voice was so damn deep. I remember I was this little kid that was like my little cousin. I hope he's not 6'4". I tell you what, it's nice being the tallest in the family. Yeah, it is. I'm still the biggest for sure. He's a, he, he's skinny. He's tall okay. and skinny. Same with my brother. He's tall and skinny. I'm I'm big. I'm big. So I'm not worried about that. I can take anyone in my family, except for my dad. My dad kicked my ass. Everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen a picture of my dad. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, well, I don't know, even know what we're talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I think I'm, we're somehow, talking about players' heights. We somehow, started with Connor Garland being 5'10". Well, no, and then I then elite prospects yeah. and their freaking yeah. numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got Carson Susie is what we were talking about. So Brad Hunt oh, plays wow. the right side. Yeah, okay, let me get back to this. That was quite the uh, jump right there. Yeah, actually. no kidding. Quite, quite a little tangent. But, but I mean, I could see that being the pair. Is is Hunt a better... Sh- I think he is the better guy to play with Jack Rathbone right now. Like, yes. Better than Luke Shen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we, we talk about styles and stylistic, and theoretically, uh, Shen should be the guy that fits with Rathbone. Shen just hasn't shown enough. Shen has not shown enough through I th- camp. I think the pre-season. worry there on that pairing, though, of Rathbone and, and Hunt is there's not a lot of size. Yeah, but Hunt plays big, right? And Rathbone is playing with a ton of tenacity. I don't think he's going to take his foot off the gas pedal anytime soon. The thing with Rathbone, and you know, there was people pointing out, rightfully so, that Rathbone didn't have a great game overall last game um, that they played. But... I think the thing that people kind of need to realize with that is the thing that Rathbone was struggling with in that game wasn't the defensive side of his game, which is where the Canucks are worried, right? It was like bobbling the puck, right. which we've seen enough. We know he's not going to do that on a nightly basis. Like yeah. he just had a bad night. Like there was something with the with the stick, something like that. It was, you know, you know what you're going to get with Rathbone. And the only question you have with Rathbone is whether or not he's going to be able to defend at the NHL level. So, like, the only thing that would keep Jack Rathbone at the NHL is just incompetence in the defensive end. And even with that last game where he bobbled the puck a couple times, that's not what happened. So, I don't know if that game, because a lot of people are looking at it and go, oh my gosh, I don't know if that game hurts his chances of making the NHL roster and, and the lineup like the actual lineup, like starting in a third bearing role. I don't think that hurt his chances as much as people think. And it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back tonight. And we're going to jump to power play two in a second here, but 
that's another part that Rathbone can help. Like Rathbone, yeah. I think you can run two defensemen very easily. You can have OEL. If one of them's Rathbone, absolutely. Because Rathbone has that shot. You can put him right on your right side in your power play too. But the, like you mentioned it, we have no questions about Jack Rathbone, right? Like we have no questions about his defensive game, his offensive game, everything about Jack Rathbone. You and I personally, we don't have questions that would keep him out of the NHL. But the fact that he's played in every preseason game, do you think that there are still some questions from Travis Green? Because you yeah. had the quote today. He said, you know, Pod Colson and Rathbone haven't made this team yet. Yeah, in my mind, Rathbone's made the team. But Travis's words are no, he has not made the team yet, which is fair. Um, yes, I do think. What was your original question? Just that he's played in all yes, of those preseason yes, okay, games. So what does that mean? I think it means that Travis really wants to be sure of this decision and that it's going to be a hard decision to make and they want to make sure they're making the right decision. I don't think they think they have a good enough read on Rathbone's game yet. And I think part of it is because he's played such a high intensity game. Like, you know, this guy has been going into every puck battle at 110%, you know, hitting guys hard, going into every corner hard, like not shying away from anything. And I almost wonder if they're trying to see if not that he'll slow down necessarily, but if he'll maybe ease up a little bit when well, he starts gotta to be consistent with that, exactly. if that's the thing he's got to show, he's got to be consistent. And I think, I think they are looking for consistency because this is a guy that they're looking at as, okay, he wants to play in the NHL. We want him to be an every NHL everyday NHL defenseman. Let's see him prove it. Let's see that he can actually do this on a night in uh, on a nightly basis. And I think that's that's the reason that I agree with you 100% here is completely the opposite of last week or last show. But <laughs> I I think that that's what they are just trying to see is like, yes, he's had good games. Yes, he's had OK games. He's had bad moments as well. They're trying to see if that's what it will be consistently. And good games, OK games and bad moments. You can take that on your third pairing. But if you're having bad games consistently, that's not you know, that won't keep you in the NHL. But and- we haven't seen that. Exactly. And they're looking to see if there's any like lapse of focus as well. Right. And sorry, bobbling the puck like Rathbone did in that last game. A lot of that could be chalked up to like a lack of focus. Right. And here's the thing. As we talk about him bobbling the puck, there was like two scoring chances in that game that were created from him just going coast to coast as a defenseman and just splitting through the Ds, going right through the middle of the ice and nobody can get the puck from him. Like that's valuable, man. I don't care. You know, everybody's like, wow, look, all you love, made a couple passes or, you know, he, he stood in one spot and defended really well in zone. Like that's great. But man, when you're able to change, the, change the complexion of a game because you're creating scoring chances almost single handedly, there's value in that. And I think the Canucks really are going to, you know, keep riding out Rathbone. And again, these these last, I think Travis said one or two games after tonight, we know Rathbone's in tonight. Last one or two games is going to be, certainly the last game, is going to be as close to the NHL lineup as you're going to see. Right? Yeah. They've got to make cuts a week from today. But to that degree, I also think we see Yolevi in one of those two games. I think Yolevi has a final, final chance. Do you think that chance might be tonight with Burroughs? Skating on second Well, I guess he is getting inside, but I think it's going to be one against Edmonton. I think they want to see... they want. I think what you need to see from Thursday and Saturday's game against Edmonton, both of them against Edmonton, you need to see Rathbone defend against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You need to see Yolevi do it. And you need to see, like, you need to see everyone how they sh- how they look. Like, you need to see all three pairings. I know, I know, they want to test their players, but there's a reason. Last year, we never saw 
uh, McDavid and Drysaddle come down on your levy. That was intentional by the coaching staff. There, nobody wants to see McDavid and Drysaddle try to defend or t- to see your levy yeah. try to defend McDavid and Drysaddle. But we already saw that with Rathbone. Saw Rathbone get the two on one. I think his debut. And I think that's that's what I like when they play those two games against the Oilers. And I expect Quinn Hughes to be in the lineup for both those games. I, I think they keep Quinn Hughes away from him and see how the other pairings look. Yep. Because I don't like when the regular season starts, you probably want to keep Quinn Hughes away from those guys as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they match up uh, on Thursday and Saturday. Like those are the big telling games, would right? You, would you rather have Pullman and Hughes staring down that Edmonton first line? Or would you rather have Myers or OEL staring at it? <laughs> I would rather have a completely different defense when you're facing. I wouldn't, you know, there's not a pairing in the world that I can say, that's the pairing I want against McDavid. McDavid's yeah. going to get his, you know, that's yeah. going to happen. That's but good. I think when you talk about other like top lines around the league, that's going to be the interesting part. So I think it's going to be a huge test on Thursday and Saturday about it. And it, we're going to have a lot to talk about with harm on Fridays up when we record on Friday and post yeah. on Saturday, it's going to be nice to get harm back in here as well. But we've talked about Rathbone and the, the things that he does. Like you mentioned it, those two or three times a game where he just has an amazing offensive play, but the question I have about Rathbone is like the other night we were saying, you know, Tyler Myers might've been the best defenseman for the Canucks this night. Have you seen that from Jack Rathbone? Like I think the game in Abbotsford that we were at, yeah, I think Jack Rathbone was the best defenseman in that game. Didn't get one of the three stars. OEL was the first star overall, but like there has been in the five games that Rathbone's played in, he's been the best defenseman in at least one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he he's you know he is like a highlight reel type player so he's Mm -hmm. definitely noticeable but yeah absolutely he has been and his shot from the point i mean that's that's what we really like when he gets on the right side potentially the best on the team i mean from defense yeah i think it is i mean oel gets him on net that's what we like he gets him through traffic really well those little half number 23 but you know what it is something that edler used to do really well too like he used to be really good at getting those half slaps on net when he was Mm -hmm. the power play guy so i want to dive into the second power play unit now because we touched on those two guys i'm in the camp of running two defensemen on power play too because jack rathbone is one of them you can play oel at the top as the quarterback you can play rathbone on the right side because then he can get that one timer off but the other part that I want to get into with PP2, and I got an article coming out about this uh, tomorrow on Wednesday morning. Bo Horvat, I think, is the one that you take off of PP1. I think that you put Connor Garland up to, pl- to play on the first unit, and I think Horvat comes down to be a bumper spot on the second power play unit. You put Huglander on the left side, and you put Pearson in front of the net. Then you have the two defensemen that we just mentioned. I think that is a solid second power play unit. And the reason that I take Horvat off of the first unit even though he's the top scoring guy, you're not going to take Pedersen off, right? Like, you know, Horvat over the past two years has 18 power play goals. But I looked like I was thinking that it was going to be Miller that I would take off that line when I was looking at making a second power play unit. But Miller has 15 more points than anyone on the Canucks for power play points over the past two years. 15 more points than Besser, 15 more points than Pedersen. Really? That's a shock to me. And, and at that, what I was like going into writing that article, I was like, Miller dropped down to PP2. That's what I would do. But wait, I have a question for you because you put Garland on the first unit. Is he in the bumper spot? Here's the thing this is what I like about this. So, what you do is you put Garland to kind of start in the bumper spot with Miller. But when the puck goes to the left side of the ice to Brock Besser, Miller and Garland kind of swap. So, Miller goes up to the bumper position. 
So then well, you have the shot, shot there, but then when the puck goes to Pedersen's side, you rotate again with Miller and Garland so that the right shot's in the bumper. Ah. Then you have bumper, you have the bumper one timer with both. And the thing that I love about that is that what was the biggest problem with the Canucks power play? Not enough movement. Not enough movement. They were stagnant. They weren't doing anything. So this forces movement. If you are doing yeah, this quick yeah. little rotation, it forces movement and it gives an option for the bumper to have a one timer on both. Like I let this is when this clicked in my head, I said, gee, I made a freaking graphic about it. You'll see it on Canucks Army. I was so pumped about this idea that I made a graphic. It it makes so much sense to do that, I think, to have those guys rotate around from the bumper from the net front because it gives you the option for the one timer from both sides. And then you have Quinn Hughes on top passing to both Brock Bester and Pedersen. The thing that they need is movement. And this creates movement. This forces movement on the power play on the first unit. I mean, Garland might not be the best net front presence with his little body. We just talked about the Passant Motors commercial. But that's the other thing. Like the one-timer that's going to come from Hughes from Pet- when Besser's passing it to him, you're going to have Miller and Garland both in front of the net there. So it's not like the you know the guy sh- uh, screening has to be a big guy at all times. And I think the shot that you want to get off is going to be Pedersen's compared to Besser's. You're going to have more of Pedersen's shot. He was leading the team in shot attempts over the past two years. So you're going to have Miller in front of that situation. So I like the idea. I think it's a lot to ask for them to rotate every single time the puck switches sides, but it's not like the biggest ask in the world. You're skating five to 10 feet to switch spots with the guy and then be another option. I think that will confuse defensemen. I think it will confuse all the penalty killers. I just think that that little rotation gives you a one-timer from either side on the bumper. And it also just makes it tough on the defense to track the guy down because they can't just stick to a man when they're rotating like that. Does part of this come from you watching Jason King power plays in Utica? I don't think so. Uh, this isn't really a like this isn't a movement thing okay, from Jason. So it King. wasn't like a okay, okay. I, I gotcha. mean, Jason, like there wasn't. There's nothing about Jason King's power plays that shocked me very much. What he did use Jack like as soon as Jack Rathbone got there, Rathbone was playing on the right side on that one timer. Like mm-hmm. he must have seen a shot and he wanted to put him there. So that it's, I think it's why no he will secret be there. what Rathbone can do when he's absolutely. And up. then for the second unit, like. I think the the primary puck possessor, the guy who I want the, the puck on his stick the most. What? Is that not a word? No, possessor. This is the way you said it, but it's... Wait. Primary puck possess... Wait. Possessor. Oh, I guess you did say Primary right. puck possessor. Why nope. did that sound so weird to me? Hey, listen. You're the writing guy. I'm the talking guy. Don't try and tell me... Well, sometimes I screw up some words. It's just people, <laughs> it's people in the reviews I've freaking been saying. Favier. Anyways, I think if, if Hugliner's controlling the puck on the left side, he has an option to shoot. He has an option to go down low and then find that bumper play to Horvat. And also, if he just throws the puck in front of that, like the thing that I like about Huglander's passing is how good he can do those ones really close to the crease. And if he can find Pearson on those, I think that's a good spot for him there as well. Then if not, he drops it back to a one-timer to OEL. If that shot's not there, one more pass to Jack Rathbone for his one-timer. Like Both these power plays work for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still repeating the word possessor in my head. Yeah, I thought, figure out I thought you were having a moment there. Yeah, you're like, like bouncing your head why? back and forth. I was like, like you're losing possessor. it. Spell possessor. No, don't make me spell stuff on the damn show here. <laughs> this is freaking turning into goddamn Donnie and Dolly. There's, you no, start Zs. To make me There's no Zs. I'll give you possessor. P O S S E S S. Double S. O R or E R? I wouldn't even know, man. Possessor. Possessor. I think it's E R. No, it's O R. O R. Okay. Well, this is why I didn't need an editor. By the way, yeah, the other day I felt bad. I sent you a 21 word. 2100 word article about uh, the 16 players that got cut. And as soon as I finished, I looked down at the word count and I was like, oh, he's going to be pissed about this one. I, I felt bad. I sent you a text and, you know, I, it wasn't as mean as I thought it was. But uh, 
Yeah, I I, I kind of lost it a little bit. I was editing your article and yeah. I, I got a little upset with, like, not with, not with you. I was just like, man, I was like, damn, this took me like... 42 minutes to edit and i was like down to the second dude. no i was i was i was pissed but i i texted you and i was like you need to look at your next article because you told me you didn't read this one over and it showed well some of them yeah <laughs> and you know what now that i have been reading them over i noticed like so many little mistakes that i make like yeah. something about when i'm typing when i write the word of of i write oh yes. a lot i know and that's the one that i mess up <laughs> a lot for some reason and you know what's the worst one for me and i mentioned that i even do it when i'm talking sometimes saying overseas or writing the word overseas yeah i always 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 write overseas for some <laughs> reason i always write overseas and sometimes i'll even put a space between over and season and then i'm like in my brain i'm like overseas the canucks prospects overseas and i just type overseas for some reason it's ridiculous i don't know what happens oh man yeah there's there's yeah i'm glad you're starting to notice these though yeah well that one i notice all the time just it pisses me off because my brain just i don't have control of my brain when i'm writing the word catch that one because i haven't seen that one. yeah that one i because i notice i i type it i'm like damn it why'd you do it again i do it it all the time when i'm typing but hey speaking of overseas actually you know what i'm not going overseas with the prospect support staying right here in North America, let's get to the prospects report a little bit here. Aiden McDonough got to speak with him after he had two goals in his first, uh, I said, exhibition game last week on the show. Actually, a regular season game. So those two goals are going to count towards him hitting his goal, which he didn't say on the podcast is 25. Refused, but we us. know it's 25. We know. We, 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 that's kind of the, what we're hoping is like the high water point for high water mark for, uh, for McDonough is hitting 25 goals. Good start to the regular season for him. Scored two in the first one. Man, Duke could have had five. There was a lot of opportunities for him yeah. in that game to get it. Uh, and just he was even saying like the power play didn't feel great for him. He made a lot of mistakes on his one-timer attempts. But the power play is something that he said that they need to work on a little bit more. They weren't as crisp as they wanted to be in their first game of the season. Also mentioned that this weekend coming up, they got two big games uh, in a tournament. So that's not going to be regular season goals that will be counting to his 25, but it's a tournament for them to get everything going. And then after that, big matchup against Boston College. So he was saying that's the game they're looking forward to. They're heading over to Boston College, I believe. Uh, so that's going to be a massive matchup early on in the season for Northeastern. And uh, I want to mention Jacob Truscott as well. We don't talk about him a lot on the show, but he's playing for Michigan. That Michigan team... Well, their first performance there. I think they played Bowling Green and they dominated them. And Truscott, who we thought was like, man, it's going to be tough for Truscott to find minutes there. All those left shot guys, Cam York, they got Owen Power, they got Luke Hughes. Luke Hughes bumps over to the right side. He's playing the right side with Jacob Truscott on a second pairing for Michigan. So that Michigan team that we expect to be like, you know, this is one of the best NCAA. This has the potential to be one of the best NCAA teams we've seen in a long time. This is This reminds me of like, those those basketball teams is it Kentucky? They're always the one one and dones at Kentucky, I believe. Yeah, you have no idea. What I I'm have no about. clue. I think Kentucky's the one school is pretty famous for it, just like getting one and done all stars to come play for them. This is kind of like what it feels like, but it's like two and dones uh, out of the NCAA hockey instead of basketball. But this is the year where Michigan's going to just run through everyone, man. And to see Truscott getting top four minutes, being the first penalty kill unit really good spot for him and it's something that i talked about a few weeks ago on the show was like we always talk about you know man if McEwen could add penalty killing to his game if gadjevich could kill penalties he'd be in the lineup Truscott's done that you got to give him props for that he wasn't a penalty killer coming into michigan but since he got there he realized to get ice time he's got to kill penalties he ha- absolutely has to kill penalties to get ice time and be in the lineup and he's done that he's added penalty killing to his game that's huge not only that but he added that he can play the right side as well so he's playing with queen hughes's brother luke hughes right now on a pairing 
good start to their season. They, they like I said, they blew out Bowling Green in that one. So really good news on Jacob Truscott, who was you know another late round pick playing in the NCAA. So it'll be good to follow him. Uh, but that's pretty much all I got for a prospects report, and I think that might be all we have for the episode. I know that um, it's going to be you know we're stoked to to add the sponsor. So yeah, the new sponsor here with Muddlers, uh, we're, we're jacked up about that. And uh, heading to the game now tonight. So we apologize because some of these takes like are going to be a little dated. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, we haven't played the game yet. But the, just the way the recording schedule's worked out. Um, Friday, Quads, I know you're stoked for this. We're getting hard back in the studio oh, yeah. here. Uh, we got everything set up. Now we've got three headsets, too. We're ready to rock. We got yep. the whole The studio's really coming together here, even though... You know, we haven't filled the walls yet with all the it's soundproofing. Okay. We, I mean, it's it's a fine job, I think. It's come out pretty good. But we got Harm back. That's going to be nice to have another episode for Saturday. Um, but I think that'll wrap it up here. For my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?